Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. It is a uh, privilege to be up here. And um, it's kind of scary, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And I just thank you for, for being here and being part of this and helping us grow and watch this and just excited about what the Lord is going to do and uh, praying that he'll use us. Um, thank you, Joe. One of the things that um, one of the things that I'm convinced of more and more and more, and last night, I think the Lord actually gave me a word for someone who was here last night, um, that we're, we're walking way beneath what he wants from us, that we are stuck in the mundane. We're, we're stuck in like first gear. I'm not saying we're not moving. I'm not saying we don't love the Lord. I'm not saying we're not doing what he wants to do. But I, I, just, I just think God wants to release you into your calling and into your gifting. And, 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 and maybe even I say something about that in here. I don't know. I get lost with it all. But there's no better blessing than walking in ministry. I mean, it's crazy. Even if, it's just, even if you're muddy and dirty and it's ugly or you're going down to another country to lay block or, or whether you're just in your own neighborhood or stopping to change a tire for somebody. And it's, it's no, better, no better place to be than when you're in the calling. So I don't know why I said that this morning, but let me share this with you. If you're kind of if you feel kind of stuck, if you feel like you're in just low gear, like, like the tractor has the creeper gear and you just can't get going, maybe you ought to examine, are you walking in the calling that he's given you? Or at least step out into that ministry that he's put on your heart. And I believe that's where the Lord really blesses us. Amen? Well, that was free. Um, last week, we spent a lot of time uh, reviewing what Jesus was telling his disciples that was going to happen. Um, we shared and looked at the, the many times that he talked about the events of the death, his death on the cross, his burial in a grave, and his resurrection back to life. And of course, two weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, and before that, Palm Sunday, and we talked about Jesus and how he's resolute and how he does what he does, and he goes and he, he says these things to his disciples. And last week, we just spent a lot of time really reiterating that he said, I'm going to do this thing. And they kind of halfway believed him, didn't understand him. And then we review that even though his disciples heard what he was saying, they really couldn't, they really couldn't comprehend it. Would you? Uh, it, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty incomprehensible. And there seems to be moments that they received what he was saying and even moments that they believed. But the scriptures show that when the moment of truth came, the disciples really didn't believe because of their actions. And they were scattered and afraid. And they were scared. And they hid themselves. 
Now, we're two weeks past Easter in our, in our timeline, but this week I would like us to review the events still of Easter Sunday and Easter evening. So, so bear with me. I don't know what it is that God's doing, but every week I think we're going to do something different, and I just feel like we're holding on to Easter just a little longer, okay? So I hope that's okay with you guys this morning. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, and we'll start today with Easter Sunday morning. I just want to review that this morning. John chapter 20, we're going to read verses 1 through 18. I shared that, you know, if we're not careful, we look at timelines in the Bible and we, and we don't really put together what they are. Um, uh, Pastor Carl did a great job at the orchard last night talking about when Paul went to Ephesus and then how long he stays there. And, you know, we can read a chapter and we think he was there for a day or two. And, you know, it's not. It, it's months. It's years. And, and so understanding the context of time here is important. So this is Easter morning. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Now wrap your heads around that for a second because she's saying they have taken him and, she, and they don't know, she doesn't know where they have laid him. Are you understanding? She's not catching that he's resurrected. Okay? So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. That's talking about Peter and John went to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping and, as, and so as she wept she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbanai, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he said these things to her. 
Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning, God, that we would see things that we haven't seen before, that you would reveal yourself to us, you would reveal truth to us, that you will encourage us and strengthen us for this walk. God, that you will minister to us. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill every heart here, Lord God. Fall on them mightily today, Lord God, that they will be changed and different going forward because of the work that you have done for us, Lord. We bless you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter and John run to the tomb. They find it empty, just as Mary Magdalene told them. It said, Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head, not laying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. It's, it's said that in that time that, that when, you, when you had dinner or you washed up, that you had your own napkin or you had your own... Uh, cloth, if you may. And it was the custom of the Jews that at the finish of the meal that you would fold that up and you would set it aside. And even to the point where, just like us, uh, when I got married, I found out I didn't know how to fold towels. Any of you husbands with me? Yeah, I see some hands. Thought I could fold towels for 30-some years, but no, I did not know how to do that. So I got trained on how to fold a towel. But when we, when we see this, we see something here is different, that this head cloth is folded up and laying differently, okay? So let's not let that pass this morning. But then verse 9 says this, For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. We, I think, and maybe this is just me, not you, but I think we think that they looked in there and they think, hey, it's happened, he's resurrected. I don't know. You make the choice. The scripture says this. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. So I don't know about you, but this kind of tells me that they're still confused, that they're still upset, that they're still not understanding. Uh, you would think that if they had understood he was resurrected, they would have went and been screaming to everyone. It says they go to their homes. Now before we move to the account about the evening, there are a few things I want to highlight about what we just read. And first is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, she's the woman that the Bible tells us that Jesus cast seven demons out of. We read a few weeks ago a scripture when Jesus challenges the Pharisee and says, hey, uh, there was a person who had some sins, but a person who had a lot more sins... And when the person who had a lot more sins was forgiven also, who do you think loved more? We understand that when we're forgiven and we're taken back and we're reconciled, it does something to our heart. There's a love. When you truly understand who you have been and who you were and know that Christ has redeemed you anyway, it creates a love in your heart that you can't explain. A woman who had lived a life of shame and misery, but encounters Jesus. And I want to stop there because the word encounters we've been talking about. We need to keep talking about. We need to keep sharing our encounters. We need to keep remembering our encounters. She encountered Jesus. When you get seven demons casted out of you, you have been encountered. Somebody say amen. amen. 
but encounters Jesus and literally her whole world is changed. She is set free by Jesus and becomes one of his most earnest and ardent followers. She was there with Jesus' mother at the foot of the cross and she followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how Jesus was laid in it. This is not somebody who is a casual follower. She is with Jesus. And she is spoken of in the Bible with great glory even though she has a past. I love that. And on Easter morning, she is the first to rise up John says, while it's still dark, I think it's Mark that says at sunrise, which means she probably got up at dark, and by the time she got at the tomb, the sun was rising so they could see. I don't like to get up early. I don't like to get up when it's dark. There's certain events, though, if somebody, uh, like the grandkids have, or my, my kids have to be picked up from the airport or something, sometimes you've got to get up when it's dark. Some of you work when it's dark. I don't know how you do it. But Mary can't sleep. She is up and she is ready. And it is still dark. And she is going to the tomb to properly care for Jesus' body. I personally believe she could have cared less about the politics of it all. She could have cared less about what the, the, the 11 disciples thought at this moment. They were concerned about other things. They had their pride in the way. They were concerned whether, you know, wow, aren't we embarrassed now that our Lord, this king that we thought and followed, and, and now he's just been put on a cross and put in a tomb. What the world, where do we go? But Mary doesn't care about that stuff, I don't think. That's just me, not the Lord. She just loves Jesus, and she's going to go and care for his body. All she cared about was Jesus. And right now, she knows that his body needs to be cared for. She knows it was late before the Sabbath, and they did ha not have the proper time to, to dress him and care for him for his funeral, for his burial. And she is upset about it. She is concerned for him. Can I share with you that this very movement of Union Street, I can't tell you how much has carried and burdened by the women who are contributing to this, who have prayed, who are here, who work, who do all the stuff behind the scenes, and they love Jesus, and they want to see his body well. And it's amazing to me, and it amazes me how God has made us male and female care what the world tries to tell us. This is God's plan. And she goes to the tomb and then she sees it's empty and she runs and tells Peter and John they've moved him. Second, I want to talk about Simon Peter for a moment, a man of action, no doubt. Um, Lord, if it's you, then call me out on the water with you. Um, uh, if they mess with you, they're going to mess with me. In fact, I'll cut off his ear if he messes with you, God. He doesn't say those things, but those things happen. I think you know what I'm saying. Jesus has to say, put your sword away, Peter. But Peter's a man of action. He's a man of action. Imagine for a moment, he has denied Christ just like he said he would. And then he went and hid in his home. And no doubt, he was full of shame and confusion and fear. Thinking to himself, 
what in the world is next? And Mary comes and says, they've moved him. And Peter doesn't just sit there and pout because he failed. Are you listening? He doesn't just do nothing or, or say, that's it. I'm done. Pack it up, boys. You go take care of it from this point on. I'm not in anymore. No. He runs to see what's going on with Jesus. He's a man of action. He makes mistakes. He does some pretty dumb things, and he says some pretty dumb things. Can anybody else beside me relate to this? But when Mary gives him the report that Christ is not there and the tomb is empty, he runs to see it. Peter has faults, but he's no quitter. Look at, look at 20, verses 6 and 7. Chapter 20, verses 6 and 7. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and he entered and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head not lying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by itself. Two verses before that it talks about John peeks in but he don't go in. Peter is a man of action. He is going to get something done and he goes in the tomb. Definitely a man of action, but also a man with faults. Imagine for a moment he has denied Christ just as Jesus said he would, then went and hid himself in his home full of shame, but Mary gives him the news and he runs there and he is the first one in the tomb. The wrappings are lying there, but the face cloth had been on his head that had been on his head is not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Now, I don't understand all that. But I'm visual. I like to see things. You can tell me things I can't hear you. You can show me and I'll probably hear you. And, and I just have this vision that they walk into this tomb and however it's laid out and, and there's some kind of maybe stone bench in there that Jesus has been laid on and his wrappings are in one place but his head cloth is neatly folded, rolled up and set aside. Now imagine what's going through his mind. Put yourself in Peter's shoes just for a moment. And I also ask, why does Scripture record this detail? Why does God, the Holy Spirit, find it necessary to record this detail? Obviously, I don't know the whole reason, but one reason I think it is is to prove that his body just wasn't snatched up out of there and taken somewhere. That's just me. Uh, some would try to say later that that's what happened. No, they just stole his body. Well, I would think if they, you know, a few ex-police officers in here and just put on your, uh, um, what, was the, what was the big detective? Come on, you can talk. Um, what is it, Columbo? Yeah, any of them. I was thinking of Sherlock Holmes, but yeah, there we go. Just think, you like Sherlock Holmes, like you're looking in there, and what's this about, and what's going on, and why is it recorded this way? Why do we need to read about this? We would have been satisfied just to say, hey, they came and found it empty, and Jesus was gone. But you put your Sherlock Holmes hat on for a moment. Why is this done? Another reason that it could be is, is to show that the event was done in order, not in haste. Now, this was the plan. Now, this is Jesus. And... Either way, he sat up and removed the head cloth or perhaps 
angelic attendants did so for him, but either way it is evidence that he is no longer wrapped up for burial, but indeed is alive and not in need of funeral clothes. Now think about this. They went back to their homes, scratching their heads. And they're thinking about this and seeing what they saw and looking at it. And then put yourself in the shoes there. And why was it like that? What, did somebody take him? What really happened? And I think Peter leaving the empty tomb, trying to process all of this information. And even as the scripture records that they did not understand that he must rise again from the dead. We spent all of last sermon talking about how much he told them of what was going to happen. And yet this scripture says that he did not understand that he must die and be raised from the dead. And then there's John, and he, and, and, and he records, by the way, this is the book of John, so John records this. We always make fun of John because he makes sure that he gets the dig in that he was the fastest guy. Probably in a representation because he says, hey, the one that Jesus loved. Boy, I'd like to write a book like that. Um, you know, if I, my brothers, I was the one my mama loved. You know, I could get away with that if I wrote it. Uh, for, the no, for those of you who know, mom's not here this morning. Where's she at? She's here. I've seen her. She's in the nursery. My brother Mike is the one she loves. Oh, I didn't say that out loud. But... <laughs> But John writes this, and he writes in here, he was the fastest, and he was the first one there. But he also writes a truth that he, in a sense, didn't have the gumption to go in and see. He stoops and looks in and sees the linen wraps, but does not go in. It says, John, who had gotten to the tomb first and entered after Peter. He let Peter go first. And then it says, and then he saw and believed. Now listen, and think about this. It doesn't say whether he believed that Jesus was resurrected or whether just that Jesus' body was not there. It doesn't say that. Because if again, you look in verse 9, it says they did not understand. So we're understanding here, my understanding of this is that he is confirming and believed what Mary has told him, that Jesus is not there. But it is not yet sunk in that he has been resurrected. Are you following along? Remember, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now Peter and John returned to their homes, and Mary, who had returned back to the tomb, is rewarded for her faithfulness and her diligence and her discipline because she wants to go back. Well, let's just read it. 11 through 18. 20, verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And again, we read this a moment ago. It said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? It's a good question for us this morning. Are you in mourning? Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Who do you look for in your life to fulfill it? Who are you looking to for answers? 
And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and there's an exclamation point there, Mary. And she turned to him. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brother. Now, he's not talking about his brothers because Scripture records that his brothers don't believe at this point. His brothers aren't believers. He's talking about the brethren. How many of you know the beauty of the church is that I have physical human brothers with the same DNA that I was born with, but then I have many brothers who have the same new DNA that I have, and the brethren is precious. And that's ladies and men. We're precious. And he says, go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Now let's move on. Let's take a look at Easter Sunday evening. I'm going to read John 20, 19 through 30. John 20, 19 through 30. So when it was evening on the day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut and the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Shalom, or peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. I don't know about you, but I remember reading a scripture last week that he's telling them they're going to rejoice. Hang in there. Can I share with you to hang in there? You're going to rejoice. You're going to rejoice. And he says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, meaning Thomas, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the imprint of his nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them this time. And Jesus came, and the doors having been shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Verse 30, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Jesus told them what was going to happen. And he is now showing them what indeed happened. On Easter Sunday evening, he came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Now, I would imagine he had to get those words off his lips pretty quickly. Because they are thinking they're seeing a ghost or something. 
that the doors are locked and latched and now the Lord of hosts is in front of them and he has to quickly say, peace be with you. Settle down, boys. It's just me. Okay? Peace. Isn't it amazing, though, that he's concerned for them. He's concerned for us and that peace is what he's concerned about. And I don't even know, you know, uh, maybe they're even seeing him and they're embarrassed because of what happened Friday or what happened when he got arrested and how they scattered and ran. And maybe he's just telling them peace, it's okay. Maybe he's just telling you this morning, it's okay, you've made some mistakes, it's okay, it's all right. It's what it's about, I'm here. Maybe he's just sharing with them that they need to relax so that he can speak to them and teach them and talk to them. And he shows them both his hands and his sides and he validates that it was him and that he has indeed risen. And look at verses 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said these, he breathed on them and he said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, my take on this account may be different than others and it's okay. And that's why the good news is, is that you have the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what these scriptures say and you don't need to take my word for it. But what I personally believe has happened here is that it was at that moment that the disciples were saved. I believe that he said, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. I believe they've been traveling with him. Sin has not been dealt with until we get to the cross. This is the first visit he has with him after the cross. And he says, I promise I will send the Comforter. And he is sending it. And he breathes in them. And I believe this is a portion or a, a perhaps a a demonstration of their salvation now. And I believe this is the same thing that God did to Adam in Genesis when he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the very thing that happens to each of us when we are saved. We receive the Holy Spirit right then and there. Again, some, some folks will take Offense to that and say it's a, it's a second event only. I personally believe we have the Spirit of God in us the moment we say yes and confess and believe in our heart. So some people then say, well, what's this event that takes place in Acts chapter 2? Well, I'm glad you asked. Stay tuned over the next several weeks because as we go into Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. And you'll get your answer. For now, let's continue with Easter Sunday evening. Let's read verses 24 through 31 again. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord, but, but he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And I think 
Well, let's just keep reading. And after eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered him and said, My Lord and my God. I tend to have a different view of Thomas than the traditional view. I, I, I understand that he gets the label of doubting Thomas, and I understand that, but it's perhaps because I'm a little bit like Thomas. Uh, you know, they say Missouri is the show me state, that you gotta, if they're from Missouri, you gotta show them everything. And sometimes I think I'm from Missouri because you have to show me things before I believe them. It drives my friends and my coworkers crazy because they know me and they say, well, you might as well go take a look because you aren't going to believe what I say. But I think Thomas gets a little bit of a bad rap. And again, when reading scripture, it's always paramount to make sure you read it in full context. So let's put ourselves in Thomas's shoes for a moment. First of all, it doesn't say that, that Thomas, first of all, it's, it doesn't say um, why Thomas wasn't there with the disciples. Who knows, maybe he was more afraid than them and was hiding better, or perhaps he wasn't afraid of all and he was just walking around, or perhaps he just had to go feed the mule. We really don't know why he's not there, but he's not there with the others. And let me interject a few thoughts about his absence from the upper room. For whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there for what is known as the family reunion. Just one week ago, Jesus meets with them and tells them plainly what he's going to do and what is going to happen. He washes their feet and he tells them this. Therefore, you have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. But for some reason, Thomas is not there. And, and I don't know. So I'm not beating on that reason, but I know this. He wasn't in fellowship. He wasn't in fellowship with the others. I think you guys might know me well enough by now to know, and if you don't, I'll just share with you. It, I love to see folks come here, but it really doesn't matter to me. The Lord has just charged me with go and do this, and whoever's here is here, and whoever's not is not. It's okay. I'm not trying to grow some mega church. If I wanted to do that, I would have probably went to another church and worked my way through that system or whatever. I just, I'm not against that. I'm just, that's just not who I am. I don't care. I don't care about numbers, but I do care about this. When you're out of fellowship, you're easy prey for the devil. When you pull yourself away from the body of Christ, you're in trouble, missy, mister. It's just that simple. You know, there's no room for you not to be in fellowship. You can't. I'm going to tell you, in today's world, it would be nearly impossible for you to, to survive. God can do anything. But there's a reason that he says, do not forsake the fellowship. It's not for the pastor. It's not for the praise team. It's for yourself. It's for your encouragement and your strength and what you mean to the other brothers and sisters that are in fellowship with you. Don't forsake the fellowship. Thomas is not there. He misses a great blessing because he is not in fellowship. Can I share with you that when you miss a Sunday, it's okay. This is, listen, my son would say, pack a bag. You're going on a guilt trip with dad. <laughs> this is not a guilt trip, please. It's okay. You do you. 
But can I share with you, there have been some Sundays and I haven't seen some of your faces. And man, it was glorious that day. And I just go, man, I wish they were here. They would have really enjoyed that song or that fellowship or that person that came and visited or that testimony that was given. And again, I'm not, this is not a pressure. Please, I beg you to hear me. It's not about this place. It's about you and the strength that you'll have when you stay in fellowship and you stay in touch with each other. Thomas misses a great blessing. The Lord breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Like I would be tore up if I missed that. I, I would be kicking my tail for a long time to know that I missed that. When he hears the story and they tell him, you know, Jesus, he breathed on us and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'd be like, Thomas said, no, nah, that's not true either, is it? Because I would have missed that. And that's what happens when we miss fellowship. We miss things that God has for us. But let's face it, if you had heard the other disciples tell you these things, you would have actually been probably the same response as Thomas. This is a hard pill to swallow. This is hard to believe. Thomas is is confused, he's upset, he's not there, and he just says, look, until I see him, put my hand in his, put my finger in his hand and my hand in his side, I won't believe. Oh, man. Look what Jesus does. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus cares about Thomas. He's not there just to prove a point. He wants Thomas to know he's a believer too. You know, Thomas was there all along as well with the other disciples. Jesus says, look, Lord, God, I've kept them all and I haven't lost one. And he's probably grieved that Thomas wasn't in that room tonight just as much as Thomas was. And he says, Thomas, I'm here. Take a look. Came, the door's been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. And he says to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it into my side and do not be uh, unbelieving, but believest. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. It doesn't even say that Thomas did those things. And we don't know. Maybe Jesus took his hand and took his finger and put it in his palm. Maybe he took his hand and pushed it into his side. We don't know. Or maybe just Thomas saw the Lord and that was all he needed. And I'm here to share with you, that's us. It doesn't say he believed in Jesus, as Pastor Bill would teach. There's a lot of people who believe in Jesus. Satan believes in Jesus. The demons believe in Jesus. The question for us this morning is, do you believe Jesus? And it says Thomas believed. Every one of them in the upper room now believes because he told them what he was going to do. He did what he said he was going to do, but yet he had to still show them what he was going to do. And on Easter evening, he shows them, and now they believe. And now he shows Thomas, and Thomas believes. Thank God that Jesus doesn't just leave it there for us this morning. He goes on to say, Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. And that's us. That's you and me. A new blessing for those who were not available to be there in that upper room with the disciples. A new blessing for those who had not been born yet. That's us. 
We were not there in the upper room or at the foot of the cross or even to watch him disappear into the heavens, but his promise is made true. We receive the blessing of the new covenant as well if we believe. It's all about your heart. It's all about our hearts this morning. The world does not give us our joy. The world can't take away your joy. The Lord gives you your joy, and He'll never take it away. He is a good God, and He loves us. He cares that our joy may be made complete. I'm thankful that the Lord went back days later and met Thomas where he was, because I'm thankful that the Lord met me where I was. And I'm sure that's your answer this morning too. If you do not know Jesus and you do not believe, don't go another day. There are blessings for you in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, we see here three or four folks, Lord God, that are there and have different reactions. And Lord, perhaps even as we read your scripture this morning, we may even see ourselves as one of these. Maybe, maybe we were the first one to the tomb, but a little timid. Maybe we were the one who had the action plan, who always goes in before he thinks. Or maybe we were the one who you cast seven demons out of and saved us from a wretched life, Lord God, and we love you more than any other. Or maybe, Lord God, maybe sometimes we doubt. Maybe sometimes we struggle with belief. Lord, help our unbelief this morning. Lord, we need a faith that's strong to walk this out, Lord. Our world is upside down. There's nothing new under the sun. You've seen it all. But for us in this nation, this is a different turn, Lord God. We need you. We need our faith built. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Lord, we hear your word this morning and we are increased in our faith. We love you. We praise you. We ask for your help as we go forward, Lord God, that we would not neglect our devotional time and our prayer time, that we would be alone with you, Lord God, more next week than we were last week. And you're the difference maker in us, God. And let us be the difference maker in the world. And we bless you for these things and praise you and give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Bless you. I hope the Lord spoke to you on something today. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime if you're ever in our area. You can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.